Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Today, I have the pleasure of sharing with you an interview I did with the American running coach, Jason Carp of RunFit. I actually did this um, interview late last year, and I'm finally getting around, uh, what with Christmas and everything, to putting it out there. I actually did my original running certification with Jason, so I truly believe in his coaching methods. Jason is an incredibly knowledgeable coach who has written many books, including The Inner Runner, Run Your Fat Off, 14-Minute Metabolic Workouts, Running a Marathon for Dummies, Running for Women, 101 Winning Racing Strategies for Runners, 101 Developmental Concepts and Workouts for Cross-Country Runners, and finally, How to Survive Your PhD. Now, I got in contact with Jason for this podcast in regards to his book, Running for Women, because I'd been asked by many female athletes for information about how women can train around their cycles. I believe this conversation that you're about to listen to will not only benefit the female listeners, but also the many men who coach or train with women. It will give everyone a greater insight and understanding on the impact of the female cycle on athletic, not just ability, but um, outcomes. I'd like to apologise in advance for the sound quality of my voice. It was the first time I'd used Skype for a podcast interview and it was on my old phone. As you can tell, this is my new one because you can hear me. So it can be difficult to hear me at times. I really apologise for that. Thankfully, Jason is easy to understand so you don't miss any of the important information. Um, But yes, unfortunately, and I can't go back in time and change it. So that's just the way it is. I hope you get a lot out of this podcast. Okay, so hi, uh, Jason. Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, um, I have had quite a number of queries from people about uh, wanting to know about the effect of the female cycle on their running and racing. And I know that you have written um, a large number of books, um, and one of them has been to do with some of that topic. But um, going on from you having a number of books, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to write those books and that sort of thing? Sure. Well, I mean, many of my books, they hit different uh, target markets because I'm interested in a lot of different things related to running. But uh, I started running when I was in sixth grade and I was placed on a yellow brick road that I'm still following all these years later. And I was very lucky that I found something as a kid that I was extremely passionate about and I knew that I wanted to be in this field and study athletic performance. So I went to school for a very long time to uh, study that. And uh, you know, here I am all these years later still following the Yellow Brick Road and writing and running and coaching and speaking and you know, have a certification program all about running. So I do a lot of different things, but they're all about running. And so uh, you know, that book in particular, you know, I've been interested in for a long time in women's physiology and and how women can exploit that and train differently compared to men because there's a lot more that women have to deal with compared to what men have to do. Men, it's very easy. You know, they don't have the fluctuation of hormones every month that women have. And, and uh, the, the changes, the rise and fall of these different hormones, specifically estrogen and progesterone, they have huge implications for how women should train because estrogen and progesterone affect a lot of different aspects of a woman's physiology. And then, yeah. of course, you get into pregnancy and menopause. And there's lots of different times in a woman's life that uh, these hormonal environment changes 
And uh, you know, that's not something that men ever have to consider when they train. Now, you also said exploit. So, do you mean that you, you actually believe you can use it for a woman's benefit? Because I know many women feel like it's a real negative. Yeah, it definitely can be used for a woman's benefit as long as you uh, know you know, what part of your cycle you're in and, and what to do during those times. So like for example, you know, estrogen is a very runner-friendly hormone. And so times of the month when estrogen is high, like right before ovulation, so it's like coming into the, the end of week two of a four of a standard four week cycle, that is a great time for women to push the endurance work because estrogen really favors endurance. It's one of the reasons why women tend to be almost as good, if not just as good as men, when it comes to very long races, like ultra marathons, yeah. because estrogen affects metabolism such that women will rely more on fat and less on carbohydrate. And so that really becomes important when you get into really, really long races where you are going to be relying a lot on fat because the pace is relatively slow compared to the, the much shorter races that demand yeah. carbohydrate use, you know, even races up to a marathon, you, you're relying mo almost entirely on carbohydrate. Whereas ultra marathons, you're going to rely on fat because you don't have enough carbohydrate to get you through the entire race. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And um, so what about if a race falls at a time when their estrogen is not at their highest levels? How, what can they do then? Yeah, so uh, you know that gets into the whole program design of you know when do you push the training, when do you back off from the training, and so you know like for example at the time of the month when estrogen is low, which would be you know like uh, right before the period, you know the end toward the well it's kind of yeah. low the whole you know the whole week four, but then you know during the period itself, you know the first three to five days or so of week one, those are times of the month when estrogen is very low that uh, you know those would be good times to back off from the training and not try to push the training because or if you're going to push it then to understand that if you have a bad workout during that time it's not because of, of you it's because of what's happening to your cycle that month that there's no reason to beat yourself up over it if you have a bad workout or a couple of bad workouts because that's not the the most ideal time of the month for endurance training yeah. so it helps a woman not just physically to know what's going on and to optimize the training, but also psychologically to understand that there are times of the month where you can expect to feel fantastic, and then there are other times of the month where you can expect to not feel so good. And it's important to understand that so that you don't get all upset every time you have a bad workout. If it's happening at the same time you have in your period or right before the period, that those are times of the month when endurance performance tends to be not as good. Yeah, because I know a lot of women feel that it affects them, but they're not quite sure how. And that's mm -hmm. probably the worst thing, is not knowing the, the, in, the intimate details of why it's doing that to you. Right, exactly. So, yeah, the more women know about how their body is functioning at different times of the month, then they can train around that. And then they could plan their training in concert with their menstrual cycle and really optimize things at the times of the month when they can be optimized. Now, I know you said when they have their period, it's, it's not the best time. But what about, say, in ovulation and that sort of stuff? Does that have, what's the effect of that? 
Yeah, so uh, estrogen will rise over the first two weeks. So from the time the woman has the period up until ovulation, which in a standard 28-day cycle will happen on day yep. 15. A lot of people don't have a standard 28-day cycle, so yeah. that's okay. They just have to plot out their own individual cycle so that they know when ovulation happens. And so uh, you know, as soon as ovulation occurs, estrogen plummets rather quickly. It rises to a peak right before, the day before ovulation, and yeah. then it'll drop very rapidly. And then there's a slower rise over week number three, leading into the middle of of the the second phase. So the, the menstrual cycle divides into two major phases, the follicular phase, which is the first two weeks, and the luteal phase, which is the second two weeks. And so there is a second rise in estrogen in the middle of the luteal phase, which is not as high as the the predominant peak right before ovulation. And so right after ovulation, when estrogen drops, a woman can still expect to do well as, as estrogen is rising again. But at the same time, you get that second peak in estrogen, you get a much larger peak in progesterone, which I tends can. to hurt women's performance. You know, estrogen, yep. Progesterone affects things like breathing. Breathing is uh, enhanced with progesterone. And so the perception of workouts may feel more difficult because that's how we link our perception to how we feel is how much we're breathing. Oh, and so because so, uh, you'll feel like you have to breathe more or... or yeah, 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 you'll breathe rapidly. more. Yeah, so yep. progesterone. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. most people don't think about this stuff, that progesterone no. really drives the breathing. There's been a lot of research that's done on on uh, people who uh, you know, have asthma, exercise-induced asthma, and look at the, the use of bronchodilators and how they use their bronchodilators more during times of the month when progesterone is high. The other implication of progesterone is the increase in body temperature. You know, a lot of women will use their body temperature to plan when to get pregnant. And the reason for the increase in core body temperature is because of the, the rise in progesterone. So even though you do get a, a secondary peak in estrogen, it's almost uh, masked by the negative consequences of the very high peak in progesterone. And so the, the first two weeks when progesterone is very low and estrogen is on the rise the entire time, that seems to be the, the best time for women to perform endurance activities. So long distance running or any long distance cycling, any kind of endurance activity. Whereas the second two weeks, while progesterone is increasing, seems to be the, the worst time. And then, of course, the, the actual three or four or five days of the period seems to be the yeah. worst time for women to perform endurance exercise. So what can a woman do if she has a race coming up and she knows that it's going to end up being in those second two weeks? Is there anything she can do to manipulate it or is it just having the knowledge that will help her to through it? Well, yeah, I mean, there are things women can do, of course, you know, to everything you do, there are side effects. And so yep. the, the one major way that women can actually control their cycle to plan for a race is to go on birth control, because yep. the, the birth control pill will give you a set amount of estrogen and progesterone, so it regulates the cycle. This is how actually, getting back to your original question about how I got into writing this book, this is kind yep. of how it started, that I was, I was working with a, a very good runner when I started working with her, she was a good recreational runner. Then two years later, she ended up getting to the Olympic trial. So it turned out that she had a lot of talent, which had yet to be exploited. But she did that even without us talking about it. She was on the pill because she didn't want to get pregnant and she wanted to train. 
And so a her cycle was regulated. And that's what really got me thinking about, you know, women and their menstrual cycle and how all this plays out with the training. And so that is the, the one way that women can control their cycle. If they have a race coming up, then they can, you know, depending on when you start taking the pill, then you can plan it out so that the race will happen at the right time of the month, which would be, you know, ideally like this week number two where estrogen is really yep. climbing. And um, and so you don't have a problem with it being like synthetic hormones or whatever it is, like not natural hormones, that doesn't really matter? Oh, can you repeat that question? Um, because the pill is not the natural hormones of the oh. body, um, right. that doesn't make a difference? Uh, no, I mean, well, it makes a difference in terms of what your body will produce. So a woman's body won't produce as much estrogen because you're taking it from the outside. But in yep. terms of its, um, its physiological consequences, no, it doesn't make a difference. You're still giving yourself estrogen, even though you're taking it from an, you know, from an outside source it still has the same consequences inside your body. That's why, you know, like a lot of older women, after they've gone through menopause, will go on hormone replacement therapy to supply themselves with estrogen to protect their bones, because that's the other issue we didn't mention yet. But estrogen has the most significant impact on a woman's bone health than anything else. And so at times of a woman's life, when estrogen is low, either pre-puberty or post-menopause, or even during the time of her adult life when she's having her cycle, if something happens to disrupt that cycle, like if she's not consuming enough energy, not consuming enough calories, yeah. women start losing their cycle to become dysfunctional. And that also has huge implications for you know, stress fractures and bone health because uh, estrogen is the protective effect on bones. And so, yeah, so women can go on hormone replacement therapy when they get older, or take the pill during their childbearing years for multiple reasons. One, to regulate the cycle if they want to plan for a race, and two, to protect their bones so they can do the training and not get a stress fracture. So, you know, it gets to be kind of complicated, but, but that's also why the training of a female is, is so beautiful, because it is much yeah. more complex than the training for a male. And so um, what do you think about, say, if you're on the pill, and you see a race coming up about sometimes women will skip the sugar pills to miss a period. What do you think of doing that? Yeah, I mean, I would suggest that you be, I mean, don't do anything on your own without talking mm. to uh, your, your gynecologist. These are conversations that you have to have with a gynecologist because you don't want to ever sacrifice your health you know, for yeah, the sake of right. a race. Yeah. So you have to still do what's healthy for your body. And, and so, you know, rather than give a recommendation of skipping the pill or not skipping you know, I would have those conversations with the gynecologist to make sure that you're not putting yourself at any kind of, you know, health risk. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the ultimate thing is that we don't want our running to affect our, our long-term health. So, exactly. yeah, that's yeah. important. Yeah. And um, I know you said that um, men don't have, um, obviously they don't have a monthly cycle like women, but do they have any hormonal fluctuations at all that you know of? For women who are not having their cycle? No, men. Oh, men. Men, no, not really. I mean, when men get much older, testosterone can decrease. But, yeah, men don't have the monthly fluctuation. So testosterone is not going, I mean, it's going up and down on a daily basis. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not, not on a monthly basis like it is for women. Yeah. That, that, yeah. yeah, that that monthly fluctuation is uh, specific to women in, in the menstrual cycle. And so what happens um, to a woman... 
as she comes towards menopause? What is the effect on her running then? Well, the major effect is the, the drop in estrogen. So after menopause, you know, estrogen will remain low unless a woman does something about it. You know, and hormone replacement therapy is, is one of the things that could be done. But uh, in terms of older women in training, the, the biggest consequence of the low estrogen is the risk for stress fractures from running. And so, uh, you know, women have to then try to do whatever if they don't want to go on hormone replacement because there are side effects to that. Yeah. But a woman has to be careful and do everything else that is necessary to protect the bones. So strength training, yeah. making sure you have enough calcium and vitamin D in your diet, all these other things to make sure that you can then do the training and not be putting yourself at a you know, fracture risk. And so you just and have to it, monitor things more carefully yeah. when you get older. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, and is there any natural ways of increasing estrogen? Uh, not that I know of other than, uh, I mean, if your listeners may laugh at this, but uh, sex, <laughs> you know, when you yeah. have sex, I mean, it's one of my other books that uh, will be published in a few months here that, uh, you know, the, the effect of exercise on sexual function and, and things like that. And, uh, but, you know, sex increases estrogen, but only in an acute fashion. You know, it's not like oh, you have okay. sex and then, you know, estrogen is high for the next month. I mean, it's you know, it's in acute fashion, like in the hours after you have exercise, you know, estrogen can increase just like it does from exercise, but, but, So um, you're possibly recommending then, like, the night before a race, but then that wouldn't have, um, long enough implications to make it worthwhile. On the yeah, day. yeah, it won't affect, yeah, if you have sex <laughs> the night before a race, it's not gonna, you know, it, actually, it's interesting that you mention that, because part of my book, I talk about the effect of, because people think they should abstain from sex the night before a race, and, and the research yes, it's shows a very that it's, controversial topic, so yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what's... Yeah, well, yeah, it's, well, unfortunately, the research is not so salacious because uh, the answer is that uh, it doesn't have any effect. It's not going to hurt your performance, it's not going to help either. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of like one of those old wives' tales that, uh, you know, people think, oh, I should abstain from sex the night before race, that's going to hurt my performance if I have sex, and, and the research shows that it, it doesn't make a difference one way or the other. Yeah, so there you go. Either way is fine then. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And so um, do you have any other tips for women who, who would like to work out ways? Just say, for instance, they're not willing to go on the pill? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, the major uh, advice really is to just uh, you know, find out where you, where you are in your cycle and you start plotting out your cycle and then notice changes, you know, ask yourself, you know, at this time of the month, do I feel better or worse? And, and over time, you'll find patterns because, yeah. you know, the, the cycle is, you know, most women under most conditions, it is pretty regular unless something's going on to make it this regular, but in most conditions, it's regular. And so you'll notice a pattern over time about, you know, at this time of the month, I feel great. At this time of the month, I don't feel great. And then you can use that information to plan out your training. So you know when to push the endurance work, when to back off on the endurance work, and yeah. then you can really train in concert with the cycle, and you know, that just makes it much better for women, both physically and psychologically, to, to get through the training, to know that yeah. you're exploiting estrogen when it's high, and you're backing off when it's not so high. So I would just suggest women first spend time just plotting out their cycle and noticing how they feel at different times of the month, and then, and then linking those things together, how you feel with what's going on in your cycle, where are you, are you or you yeah. three. And how do you feel during week one? How do you feel during week three? And then you can plan the training out together with that. 
And so if estrogen increases endurance, what about, the, you know, um, short, sharp, hard workouts? Is there any better time for that sort of thing? Yeah, so that's interesting. That It seems that estrogen really exerts, in, and progesterone, they both exert their influence more for endurance performance, yeah. not so much for sprint or power or strength performance. The research that's looked at women strength performance or sprint performance does not seem to be affected by the menstrual cycle. So it's really interesting that it seems that it's only endurance performance that seems yeah. to be you know, more affected by these hormones than the strength sprint performance. So sprint performance is more related to testosterone, isn't it? To some extent, yeah. I mean, it's one reason why women don't sprint as fast as men or can lift as heavy weights as men because they just can't acquire the muscle mass that men have. Yeah because you know, men have testosterone as a major muscle-building hormone. And so that's why it's very hard for women to get much bigger muscles when they work out, even if they did a lot of strength training. Yeah. You know, women's muscle can't get as large and therefore can't produce as much power as man's. And so that's why yeah. men can sprint faster and, and lift heavier weights. Now, also, um, this may seem a silly question, but, but is it true that... Getting the period makes a woman crave chocolate, or is that sort of more an old wives' tale? And you know, oh. those sorts of strange things are they true? Oh, can you repeat that? I'm having a lot of trouble hearing you. Yeah, yeah. Like when a woman before her period says that she craves chocolate or sweet things, is that actually a true phenomenon, or has just become sort of part of accepted folklore? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I'm actually not sure. I'm sure there is something to that, but I'm not familiar with the research on how these yeah. hormones affect um, cravings, you know, food cravings. But yeah, that's a whole other area. Where I'm sure it's been researched because everything has been researched. Yeah, that's right. That's just I just wonder some. because sometimes then that affects how a woman feels about herself and how she feels with her training. So, mm -hmm. But I guess it's just you know one of those things you can't always give into. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how the hormones are affected, what they're doing to affect the food cravings. It's just an area of research I'm not familiar with, but, but I'm sure there is something to it. I just don't yeah. know what the mechanism is behind it. Yeah. Well, it's all very interesting. There's so many different elements, I guess, that can be looked at, which is like what you said, is what makes it so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. And I think there's still a lot that we're learning. There's still a, a relatively new area of research. Yeah. Because, so, like, we don't know why estrogen has this effect on, specifically on metabolism. That's been researched a lot, and, but nobody seems to have been able to pinpoint why that's happening or, or how estrogen is affecting metabolism. We know that women rely more on fat and less on carbohydrate, even when running at the same speed as a man. But we don't know why that happens or how estrogen is exerting the effect on metabolism in order for that to happen. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, do you think there's been not so much research simply because women haven't been participating in sports to the scale that they do now for a very long time, I guess? Yeah, that, that may be some of it. And I just think that, uh, you know, I mean, there's lots of things in research that, uh, you know, every time you do research, it, it leads to more questions rather than answers. Yes. Yeah. So these questions have have really only come up, you know, recently, maybe in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. It hasn't, you know, and maybe that's why, because more and more women are doing these, especially like ultra endurance events. You know, a hundred years ago, you know, women were not even, women didn't even run marathons really until the yeah, 1970s. Right. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's probably a major reason why there's so much more research now on women, because women were not participating you know, 50 years ago in these endurance events. Yeah, and now there's such a bigger um, portion of them, I guess, it seems more important to, to investigate those sorts right. of things. Yeah, especially yeah. since they're so successful, especially with the ultra-endurance marathons, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, you look at um, Courtney DeWalter winning overall 200-mile races and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And so scientists want to know, well, why? why? Why are these women able to be so successful at these really long races? So yeah. that's sometimes it takes a while for the scientists to catch up. Like, we see the performances and then the scientists start asking themselves, well, why is that occurring? And yeah. then they bring these people into the lab and they start measuring things. And, you know, and slowly but surely we start to get a picture of why these things are the way they are. Yeah. Well, it's all very fascinating, um, really. So thank you so much for um, sharing your knowledge with us today. Can you just um, tell us how um, my listeners can follow you or and the name, the exact name of your book and where they can find it and those sorts of things? Yeah, that book is called Running for Women, pretty simple title. And, and uh, speaking of ultramarathon, I actually co-wrote the book with a sports medicine physician who is a, a very good ultramarathon runner herself, Carolyn Smith. Yep. And so uh, you know, that book is on uh, Amazon and everywhere books are sold. And uh, as far as me, I'm on uh, social media as uh, Dr. Jason Carp. And uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody ever has any questions, I, mean, I know it's kind of funny for a guy to be talking about all this stuff, but, but I, love, I love the topic. I think it's uh, the training of a female is, is fascinating to me. And, and, and I, I think it's great that a male is talking about it because it shouldn't be seen as a taboo subject for men. It should be... Uh, perfectly acceptable too. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I've had this conversation a lot with people that, uh, you know, when you, when you actually look at the research, you know, almost all the researchers who are studying this are male. Oh, isn't that funny? So yeah. there's quite a lot of men who, who know a lot about women. And a lot of gynecologists are male. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of men, including myself, who are interested in these female-related topics because from a pure scientific perspective, it's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is, yeah. All right, well, I'll put all your links and a link to your book in the um, show notes. Thank you very much for talking with us today, and I'm sure some of my listeners will have questions. And as I know from myself, you're always willing to answer questions at the drop of a hat, so it's really appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. All right, thank you. I'm sure you could tell from that that Jason is a knowledgeable guy. What I really love is he is able to share his information in an easy to understand manner. I do hope you got a lot out of it. I was amazed at how much the female cycle could influence how women run. It is definitely something I will be paying more attention to in the future. Um, I will have put all of Jason's information in the show notes and he will be happy to answer any questions. I've always found him to be very approachable and happy to, to answer any of the questions I've had. In regards to the podcast, if you ever have any topics you'd like me to cover or people to interview, please don't hesitate to drop me a line either on Facebook, Instagram or my website, which is at peakendurancecoaching.com.au. Also, as always, I would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe to the podcast as well as leave a rating and review. I always read all reviews and 
truly greatly appreciate your support. Next week's podcast is an interview with Oz from the Melbourne Altitude Training Centre, where we talk about the benefits of altitude training for runners, as well as some new biohacking methods you might be interested in. Stay tuned next Wednesday for that one. In the meantime, have a great week of training and good luck if you're racing at two bays this weekend. I will be out there cheering people on and sweeping the last 28 Ks. Make sure you say hi if you see me.